0: Hi, listeners, and thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Paige Lenson. We're glad to have you with us. You can find this episode and more for what it's worth on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and RaymondJames.com. An important component of financial planning is setting goals and determining what matters most to you. After all, I think many of us have heard the quote, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. So, when it comes to your intentions for your wealth and the impact that it can have after your passing, what do we really want? And conversely, when we're on the receiving end of an inheritance, how do we hope that our loved ones will have prepared us? Well, Raymond James recently conducted a survey to find out. So, today we're going to dig into some of those responses and how they might inform the conversations we have with our own families. Here to talk more about this really important topic, I'm so pleased to welcome back Joe Weaver, president of Raymond James Trust. Joe, thank you so much for sitting down with me today.
1: It's great to be here.
0: We really wanted to know when it comes to intergenerational wealth transfer, What are some of the challenges? What are some of the attitudes that families have about this process? And one of the first things that popped out out of the results, 76% of our respondents said, accurate execution of my intentions is extremely important. I think to some of our listeners, that might sound like a baseline sort of thing, that exactly what I want to happen is going to happen. But is that something that takes proactive planning and action to accomplish?
1: Absolutely, Paige. I think so many times we see clients who don't even have documents in place, and then clients who have documents in place that are not updated. They don't reflect their current wishes or their current intentions, and that can create a lot of problems. So we always recommend clients to sit down, take the time, put your documents in place, think about your plan, but also if you do have documents, brush them off, and really sit down and make sure that they're properly reflecting what your current wishes are.
0: So don't even take that first, you know, first baseline for granted. There is something that you need to do to make sure just basic wishes are formalized. Absolutely. One of the themes that popped out as really important to our survey respondents that maybe surprised me a little bit, 60% said maintaining family harmony was extremely important to them. 87% said that it was at least important to them. Is family harmony something that you hear when you're working with families, that it's not just about the tactics and the the finances and, you know, the dollars and the assets, but it's actually about the relationships with the loved ones?
1: Sure. I mean, some of these decisions that you're going to make that people are going to find out later... Um, some are g- going to take that the wrong way. And, and you've got to be prepared for that. And so harmony is something that, that clients think about a lot. They understand that, that money can create disagreements. Mm-hmm. It can create anxiety in families. And they want to do the right thing. Uh, they want to do what's fair, but they want to do it in a way that, that makes sense for them. So there's, there's a lot of decisions that you have to make. And, and clients think through that as they go through this process. And the more they do that with their estate planning attorney and take the time, the better off they're going to be.
0: We've heard it's it's a stat that's sometimes referenced in our industry. The Williams Group had done a study that showed it's actually a minority of, of families. It's about one third of families that successfully retain wealth and harmony into that next generation. Mm-hmm. Now, knowing that none of our families are perfect or cookie cutter in any kind of way, why do you think that breakdown can occur at the point of wealth transfer specifically?
1: There's a lot of reasons, but I think um, probably two reasons in general. One is just absence of planning. We talked about putting your documents in place and really taking the time to do that. So many clients don't do that or they think they have more time. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, uh, something happens and, and they don't. And so I think the absence of planning is probably the primary reason. They don't have those documents in place. So The documents that they have in place don't reflect their intentions. The second reason I would say, and probably more common that we see, is clients um, just don't communicate their intentions to their family. They might have the perfect plan, the perfect document, but they're concerned or afraid to really share that with their beneficiaries and their family, and they don't get a chance to do that. So communication is so important to making sure that harmony takes place at that time.
0: And to avoid any of those surprises, whether good, bad, or neutral, at the point when maybe those loved ones or kids or, or grandkids are learning about those intentions, and now there's no one there to explain them. Yes. So family harmony came up as a thread that was really important. Another one that came up, and you alluded it to alluded to it already with communication, transparency came up mm-hmm. as something that was really important to the the individuals that answered this survey. 89 percent said that if they were to receive a significant inheritance, it would be important for their loved one to set clear expectations Mm -hmm. among all beneficiaries about who would be receiving what. Mm -hmm. Now that, you know, on the receiving end is easy to Mm -hmm. say and when you're on the other end Mm -hmm. of it to actually be that transparent, I have to imagine is probably difficult for a lot of families.
1: It's very difficult and I think ideally we'd all like to know exactly where we fall within someone's plan, but I'll tell you, it's rare. Uh, if you think about it, clients not only struggle with sitting down and putting their documents to, in place and their plan in place, but they struggle even more with telling their family about that plan. And I think that – so it, it's it's not uncommon that, that people want to know and, and want that transparency, but – Um, It really takes uh, clients to make that commitment or to have that commitment to their family when they can, when they're healthy, to sit down and have that conversation. I do believe, though, the financial advisor is in a great position to help them and encourage them to do it. So many times, advisors are fantastic in not only getting them to the table, introducing them to an estate planning attorney, but beyond that... Taking that plan and sitting down with those people that you care about and letting them know what your intentions are, it's just so important. When that is absent of that entire process, you can really have challenges on the other end.
0: And they can probably help, I'm sure, having worked with multiple families and, and putting these plans mm-hmm. in place. Transparency is not an on or an off mm-hmm. switch, right? There's right. maybe a, a different level of transparency that you're going to have with your spouse or your immediate kids, then maybe you have with the grandkids and other other loved ones that might be part of the plan, so they can help with that customization. I would imagine. Yeah,
1: ab- absolutely, and help them think about that that process and and how they want to deliver that message. You know, sometimes a, a group setting might be appropriate. Other times, it might mean that you sit down one on one with folks individually and start to start to communicate your intentions.
0: I have to imagine that one of the challenges maybe with transparency, even when a person wants to be very transparent, is that sense of uh, fairness or equality among heirs, potentially. Mm-hmm. And I think it can be so easy if you're looking at, you know, a nice round number that's mm-hmm. divisible by three and it's all cash. Mm-hmm. I've got three mm-hmm. kids and it's easy. But real financial plans, there's there's properties, there's mm-hmm. stakes in businesses, there are other illiquid assets and you know, the mm. individuals, your your heirs, your kids are all different, too. So I think do you see that sometimes maybe being a, a stumbling block for families that are looking at communicating about this with their loved ones?
1: Absolutely. You never want your family kind of fighting over dad's favorite car or the uh, perfect set of golf clubs or that piece of art that 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 the kids all loved in that second home that they had in the mountains for so many years. So this is very, very common. And I think um, one way for families to deal with this is to communicate separately with the individuals around some of those assets that you can't divide. Um, But also even going further and putting a separate listing uh, or an addendum that's attached to their last will and testament that really specifically tells each individual what they would like to receive. And when you have that roadmap and it's an attachment like that around personal property, things go a lot smoother.
0: Mm. Another thing that we saw on the transparency front, 60% of our respondents said that they would wanna hear impactful stories that shaped their loved one's values and characters. So they're not even just thinking about you know, the dollar amount, mm-hmm. the property, mm-hmm. the asset, whatever it is. They want to know the stories behind it. How is that something that gets worked into a wealth transfer plan?
1: It's hard to do. A lot of times when you're reading a trust document or a will, you you do not see those components of that document. Um, Those components in the document are more around, to your point, uh, the assets and who's getting what and when. Um, So it's difficult to really memorialize that in a trust document or a last will and testament. One idea that we're seeing much more prevalent today is this uh, idea of writing a legacy letter. And this is where clients sit down and they think about those values that they wanna pass on, those family stories, those lifelong lessons that they want to ensure kind of reaches that next generation, and they write that letter. Now, sometimes they attach that letter, as I mentioned, to the will, but a lot of times we're seeing people not only write the letter, but read the letter in front of a camera and have that video available for their beneficiaries at that time.
0: So it's sort of leaving leaving the why in addition Mm -hmm. to the exact what when they're sharing that message with their heirs.
1: Absolutely. And clients can go out on the internet today. There are uh, numerous examples of legacy letters that they can pull down and kind of guides on how to start that process.
0: Can you talk a little bit about Fiduciary roles if they fall to family members because I think many individuals they might choose you know a, a close family member or one of their heirs to be the trustee or the mm. executor for their estate. Does that create um, any additional changes in the the family dynamics when it comes to putting together this wealth transfer plan?
1: It certainly can, and it, and it's very tricky uh, too. Rarely we find siblings or beneficiaries are in a position to serve in these roles over a long period of time. And and partly because um, they're just not equipped. Uh, They don't have the expertise. Um, They're not, they don't have the time um, to actually sit down and ensure that these documents are followed on a regular basis. If you think about being named a trustee or an executor, um, these are very important roles. These are roles where uh, these individuals have to interpret a document, a legal document, and make sure that you're really fulfilling all the wishes of that client who has passed. And it's very difficult to do uh, over a long period of time. And when you start naming siblings, and particularly siblings who may also be beneficiaries, the sibling who was not named in one of these roles could could actually perceive this as a conflict. It can Mm -hmm. create anxiety. So rarely do we see the sibling naming in a... Uh, fiduciary role a long-term solution. But it's very common for families to think about those people in their family that they trust, that understands the family dynamics, or has some level of expertise. So we just always recommend to clients, as they get through the end of that process with their estate planning attorneys, and the attorney turns to them and says, who do you want to be your trustee? And who do you want to be your executor? They take time to think about exactly, not what that role is, but who they know that might be willing and able to do it. And this this, this generally results in clients thinking about an individual, but also maybe a professional trustee, like a trust company. Mm.
0: And is there any way to have the best of both worlds? Can those work in tandem where you have both some of the professional guidance with some of the context that maybe someone really close to you would have had about your wishes?
1: You can, and it's very common for clients to name co-trustees. So they'll name a family member or an individual that's very close to the family that knows the dynamics, was very close with the grantor, fully understands their intentions, and pairs that person with another co-trustee, like a corporate trustee, like Raymond James Trust, who has the expertise, um, who has the tenure and the experience in serving in this role. So that combination works very, very well.
0: We've talked family harmony, we've talked transparency, right in with those other two. A big theme that came out from our survey responses, 71% of our respondents said that if they were receiving a significant inheritance, it would be important for their loved ones to proactively communicate about what they were leaving behind. So we've talked about that transparency and that honesty, but now let's talk more about timing. When is the right time to actually first of all, start putting these plans Mm. in place. Is there such thing as too early?
1: That's a great question. So I think it really depends on the family dynamics. I mentioned earlier that communication of your plan, once it's done, is the hardest step. Mm. And many clients struggle with who I should tell and when. And so I always recommend that clients think that through and make sure they do it when they're comfortable, um, when they feel like they're ready to do it, but probably more importantly, when their beneficiaries and their heirs are ready to receive that information Mm -hmm. and really appreciate that information. So that might mean, you know, someone communicates that uh, when they're very young or maybe they wait until their 60s or 70s to sit the family down and have that conversation. So it depends, but I always tell clients, you know, don't wait too long um, because you just you just never know, and if you can sit down with your um beneficiaries and your family and let them know even your baseline intentions, it's going to be uh, a situation where um ultimately you're going to have a less discord in the in the in the long run
0: you've talked about the different settings that can help facilitate that sometimes the one on one sometimes more of a family meeting. do you see families that you're working with really? you know, bringing together these different generations or bringing in the professional guidance along with just the loved ones. How do you see this coming together for those that you think do it well?
1: Yeah, it's all across the board. I mean, I think some of the families that that really are very open to talking about just family issues, family topics, whether it's over at the dinner table or they actually formally set a meeting and sit down and talk about something like that. Those families that are very open, I think uh, th- this comes more natural too. the families that um, are, are a little uh, more private about things, I think it's it's somewhat more difficult for them to do that. But I think that encouraging your clients as an advisor is so important to try to have these conversations and sometimes uh, you just have to start with your spouse and, and, and having that conversation with your spouse and making sure that you both are on the same page um, and you're very comfortable with who you're going to tell and in under what circumstances uh, you're going to tell folks. So it really depends. A lot of times it can be individual. A lot of times it can be in a family setting. Uh, sometimes it can be just a written letter. Um, but any step that you take around communication is a good step.
0: We're so appreciative for your perspective on this and Sort of putting some context around the results we saw from this mm-hmm. survey. I've got a last question for you here. For our listeners that are reflecting on what we're saying, maybe thinking about the plans that they do or don't have in place, the conversations that maybe they haven't had yet, what's a good place for them to get started? What's the first step?
1: Yeah, I think the first step is just kind of making the commitment that you need to address this topic. It's a, it's a very difficult area of financial planning to, to, to approach and kind of wade into. No one generally is comfortable talking about their own mortality and then really talking to others about that. So I think that um, the first step is to really just acknowledge that you need to do something, whether it's to update your documents or to put some basic documents in place. Once you do that, uh, I would tell clients to, to really start uh, with their advisors, the people that they trust, the people that know them, Those individuals generally have experience, and they they can walk them through the next steps. It might mean, you know, let's talk about your objectives and your intentions, when you would like to accomplish this. Uh, But they can also do things like recommend an experienced estate planning attorney that is going to sit down with them and properly draft their documents to reflect their intentions. That's a very important step of the process. So I think your advisor can help you really take that first step.
0: Joe Weaver, president of Raymond James Trust. Joe, thank you again for your time today. We really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Paige.
0: Listeners, thanks for tuning in. You can find more episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and RaymondJames.com. So be sure to subscribe. For what it's worth, I'll see you next time.